Welcome to Boomeranging, from expat to repat, a podcast that explores the question, what could be so hard about returning home after years living overseas? I'm your host, Margot Anderson, and in each episode, I will sit down with a former Aussie expat to discuss how they survived repatriation and reverse culture shock, how they navigated the logistics of careers, friends, and family to successfully find their new place at home, and all without losing their global spirit. If you have just returned home, are thinking about it, or just love a good yarn told by professional globetrotters, then I have no doubt you'll enjoy meeting this diverse group of Australians. People often do extreme things to avoid Sydney house prices, but none more extreme than Chris Edwards and her husband. 15 years ago, when staring down an exorbitant quote to renovate their tiny inner-city cottage, they decided to take an easier option, move to Singapore, on their own coin and for Chris, without a job. After a start in publishing, Chris went out on her own and established Honeycombers, a lifestyle guide to all things Singapore that has now grown into a group of publishing and digital services businesses. Four years ago, after 11 years in Singapore, Chris and her family moved back from the Little Red Dot to set up life in Byron Bay, and her businesses have come with her. I'm keen to chat to Chris about the challenges and opportunities that come with managing a group of businesses that you brought home, how COVID has impacted how regional business is done, and whether she ended up renovating that house in Redfern. So welcome, Chris. Thanks, Margot. Um, Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Where are we chatting with you today? Uh, I'm in Byron Bay. Amazing. So as we've just heard, the catalyst for, for heading overseas for you came off the back of what felt like an outrageous renovation quote, um, which I think many of us can probably relate to at some point in our lives. But I'm interested to know if there were any earlier discussions about living abroad or was it simply an escape path at the time? Yeah, um, yes. I mean, of course, there were seeds planted earlier on. Um, my husband and I actually lived in the UK before we had bought our um, very expensive uh, inner-city terrace, and we travelled extensively through Europe, and we just loved travel. Um, so we kind of loved the idea about living abroad, and I think we were also feeling like we were, you know, I was 25 and we were married and we bought a house and I was like, is this it? Yeah. I think I was seeking more challenge. So that was kind of part of it. So Singapore came up? Yes, Singapore came up, yes. How did that come up? Uh, So my husband's company opened an office in Singapore Mm -hmm. and they literally said, if you want to move to Singapore and you want to pay your own way to get up there, you're welcome to. So we were like, let's do it. You know, like, we, yeah, we were hungry for the opportunity to live abroad and to do something new. So, yeah, it was exciting. And the flight price versus the renovation quote probably looked rather appealing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, we were definitely running away from a sticky situation, you know, and this tiny little cottage that we bought in this terrace in Sydney, it was it was gorgeous, but, you know, we wanted to have kids and we were just like, how are we going to make this work? So, yeah, we just ran away. <laughs> so you moved to Singapore in Jan 2007. Um, and whilst your partner had a role, this wasn't the case for you. How long were you there before you saw the opportunity to create your own business? 
So we got there in January 2007 and um, I went job hunting for the first little while and I, I, I found a job in publishing which was kind of not really my expertise. So I, I kind of took this leap into this new industry um, and I think I lasted in that role for about eight months. It was pretty hard yakka. And I got approached actually some, from some friends in Australia who said, come and join our startup. And they were doing uh, kind of in a range of, of digital media businesses. And so I joined them and within joining them for, you know, I think I worked with them for about six months, we came up with the idea of Honeycombers and we launched Honeycombers in December 2008. So it was probably just a year into being in Singapore that I started working on Honeycombers. So, yeah, it happened pretty quickly. Can you tell us a little bit about Honeycombers? Yeah, so Honeycombers is a lifestyle guide to Singapore and now Hong Kong and Bali. It, it's quite similar to Broadsheet or The Urban List or Time Out. They're the, the kind of similar publications in Australia. And really that whole uh, premise of Honeycombers is it's designed to inspire people to live their best lives. So get out and try new things and explore the city and know what's going on. Um, that's kind of what it's all about. So it's not as aspirational as well as informative and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly right, yeah. So how's the business grown? I mean, you started it in 2008, so that's, what, 12 years ago. Um, can you share with us what that growth path has looked like? Yeah, no, the business is going really well. Look, I, I, I actually never thought it would go as well as what it has gone. Like um, I initially really created it because it was something that I wanted and it was I, I felt like it was also something that was a really nice product to make. Like you're basically making inspiration like it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful industry to be involved in you're just inspiring people to get out and and try new things um so my initial uh i suppose aspirations for the business was really just to provide me with a job <laughs> and now it's grown to we have 25 staff across three countries we've hit over three million in revenue and and yeah so it's it's really grown um, much beyond my original expectations. And so, I mean, COVID must have been an interesting time for you then. I mean, the last four years, <laughs> for two years that you've been home. Yeah, yeah. So COVID has definitely been a curveball as it has been for most businesses. So for us, The industry, revenues, yeah. <laughs> yeah, our, our revenues plummeted like overnight. Yeah. Um, so they re they dropped by oh gosh I think our our, our first drop was maybe eighty percent from one month to the next. Wow. So you were just you literally felt like you were on a on a turbulent flight. Your stomach just goes oh yeah. <laughs> what's happening? Yeah yeah. And you know I, I suppose no one knew um, what COVID would mean or how long it would run for. But yeah, it's um it's definitely been the the full roller coaster experience. <laughs> So just before we probably move on to a little bit more about um, COVID and the business, I'm interested, like life in Singapore, I mean, you were there for 11 years. Your business wasn't the only thing that grew. Your family grew there. You had three children. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It was pretty busy. <laughs> <laughs> really busy. Yeah. yeah. So what did life look like for you in Singapore? Oh, um, we loved it. We had a great life in Singapore. Um we had a great group of friends and um, we had a, a really fantastic helper who lived with us and 
um, yeah, it was just fun, you know. The, the, the business enabled us to, like, I suppose, go to lots of fabulous events and parties and, you know, travel and review hotels and, yeah, and, you know, like we created um, the businesses in Hong Kong and Bali and that was really just because we were keen to write about those places and go there and, yeah, so we had a great time. We loved it. So after 11 years, you kind of hear Australia might be calling. Um, <laughs> what, was the, what was the prompt or the driver to return home? Look, I think it was a few things. I think the, probably the biggest thing was we always knew we wanted to come back to Australia. We, we wanted to kind of be close to the family. Um, we wanted to, we were pretty ready to get out of the heat of Singapore. Like I think one thing I really missed was having, having the ability to spend a lot of time outdoors. So in Singapore, it really is too hot to spend too much time out in the parks. And, and so that was another big driver. And then I think we also got very fatigued of having to say goodbye to our friends. So the transient nature of um, being an expat was just something that we were kind of getting a, a little bit tired of. And we yeah. were. It's that every three years, isn't it? You know, that sort of people tend to go. Yeah. Yes. Lots of goodbyes. And so bringing a business home is not something that you just do overnight. So there would have been a lot of planning that that went into making sure it was right and the right time and you had the right team in place. How long was that process and what did that involve? Yeah, um, look, I, I don't think anyone ever really designs to have a business in other countries and live in a different country. <laughs> <laughs> like it's kind of crazy. But, yeah, so what I did was it, it, it kind of the universe looked after me. When I, when I had my third baby, I met someone who had been running a big media business and I kind of said, come and run Honey Hummus for me. I was really keen to kind of step out of the business for a little while and spend some time with my kids. I was really conscious that I hadn't really taken a lot of maternity leave and I, I just didn't want to wake up one day and go, oh, the kids grew up and I just worked, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I, I found a fellow who joined me and, and joined as a general manager and ran the business for three years for me while I was in Singapore and I had quite a lovely time where I, you know, joined the tennis club and just had a lot more time with the kids yeah. and worked on my tennis game. And after three years I was like, you know what, I can move home now knowing that I've got a good team in place here and, um, yeah, I can, I can do this from anywhere. So that was kind of the trigger to make us feel like this is the right time. We can do this, yeah. Exactly. And so you returned to Byron Bay, which is not a hometown. Um, what, what was the driver there? We hear beautiful things about Byron Bay and the community, but was there a connection to Byron for you? Yeah, so my, my parents, um, they actually sold up their farm about 17 years ago and moved here. So they were here. So we'd been visiting Byron over the 11 years that we were in Singapore and we'd kind of grown to love it. And, and my sister was here as well. So my whole family was in the area. Mm -hmm. And I was still a little bit like, oh, Byron or Sydney, we, you know, I could easily have gone to either location, but my husband was like, hands down, if we can go to Byron, <laughs> let's go to Byron. Yeah. So yeah, nice. he really was like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so how did that work for him? Like did he, did he resign or transfer or he had a remote role? How did, how did that play out? Yeah, so he was trading uh, financial equities at the time and um, 
he kind of had a pretty remote role, but he basically just said to his company, I'm moving to Byron and I'm going to trade from home. And they were like, okay. So, it, it, yeah, it was, um, yeah, I, I do believe in the universe, so I think the universe looked after us. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. And can you tell us a little bit about the startup community in Byron? Yeah, it's it's a really lovely entrepreneurial community here. Um, I really feel like there's a lot of great businesses that are based in Byron or moved to Byron, and the entrepreneurial community here is very supportive um, it's, it's very robust. There are so many businesses of very different scale and sizes here. So when I arrived here, there was um, a, a new community business had, that had just launched called The Well, and it was like monthly um, uh, speaking kind of chats for uh, really women in business. And so, yeah, that, that really helped me kind of meet a few people and and find my tribe. But, um, yeah, there's, there's a, a co-working space here that's um, called itself Sustainable Valley. So, that, And it was really, I suppose, a takeoff of, of um, Silicon Valley. So I feel like a lot of people here consider Byron a bit of the Silicon Valley of, of Australia. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, we're definitely hearing more and more things. And I think especially in the times that we're in where people are choosing to move or consider to move consider moving out of the cities um you know Byron has obviously a draw card with the lifestyle and the beaches etc i think the challenge for many is then how do we actually make it work how do we make these businesses work or how do we make our careers work so having an ecosystem around you is just so incredibly important one of the things that we hear from expats returning is, is you know even if they're stepping back into their corporate role or their corporate lane it's that challenge to reinvigorate networks because you know people remember you often for where you were not where you are today so you've found that you know you've found a new community a new network or have you drawn upon networks from before you left or it's just so completely different now ah uh, yeah it's a, it's a completely different network like when i was in sydney i was um working in marketing i, I mean completely different industry, completely different network. And and whilst I'm, I'm still connected with friends and um, old colleagues back in Sydney, you know, I've really had to create a new life with new networks in a new industry, in a new location. And so it's, it's you know, it is challenging and I don't think uh, it's easy. You don't just click your fingers and boom, you kind of, yeah, you've got to put the work in and you've got to also just be, like accepting that it's it's not going to happen overnight. You've got to kind of know. Like I always had this theory that it really takes two years to settle into a new place. Um, and we've been here nearly four years now. And and I, you know, every year you feel more and more settled. You know, so it, it, it's really nice, but it does take time. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say two years. I mean, that's a marker that we hear a lot. And that doesn't mean that the first two years are terrible. It just means that it takes that time to really feel like you're, I guess, mutually exchanging value and contributing as well as, you know, researching and finding your place in that. So um, the two-year marker is certainly something that we hear. When you um, initially returned, you weren't in the business, so to speak. You had a GM that you had in place um, in Singapore. So you, those first few years, it really gave you the freedom to get into groups such as The Well, et cetera, yeah? 
Yeah, exactly right. And I, I mean, I still had a three-year-old at the time, so I, I, I was still, um, you know, kind of doing a lot of parenting. Um, we also built a house, which I really enjoyed. My husband and I both pretty much took a year off to build a house, which amazing, was really nice. Um, and we actually really thoroughly enjoyed that project. Um, and then I also reached out to a number of media businesses in Australia and just started consulting to them. And it was, I, I suppose, it was a way for me to build up that network and build up my own personal brand in Australia. Um, and that really led me to kind of create my um, most recent business, which is my Make It Media course. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was great to not be working in the business full time. But, um, yeah, now I am. Yes. <laughs> um, so now I'm very busy. <laughs> I'm interested uh, before we get to that, like how have your kids um, gone with coming back to Australia? Because that wouldn't have felt like home for them necessarily. Um, you know, they were all yeah. born overseas. So they're, yeah. they're, I mean, I don't think that for many people they say, oh, look, I'm Australian, but they've never lived in Australia. Or many kids say that. Like how did they go with that process of moving back? Yes. So, I, I mean, it's really funny. When we were living in Singapore, I think their identity was quite confusing. I remember um, at, when they were little kids being on a bus and a, a, a random stranger just said to one of the kids, where are you from? And they're like, Singapore, obviously. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, what do you mean where am I from? But, um, yeah, one of the nostalgic about, um, look, my eldest, who's now 12, so she was eight when we moved back, um, she misses her friends back there and she says she misses thunderstorms because, you know, Singapore had cracking thunderstorms. And, you know, we all miss our helper. Yeah. <laughs> For different reasons. <laughs> different reasons. But she was a very big part of our life and, you know, still is. Yeah. Um, you know, she still sends the kids birthday presents and Christmas presents, which is lovely. But, yeah, no, I think uh, I think they miss their friends and, I think it's been really interesting for them to move into a, an Australian environment, particularly up here, where, I mean, initially they went to a tiny primary school in, in a town called Mullumbimby where everyone was just so Aussie. Like, I, don't, I don't actually think there was much diversity at all in the school and so, you know, people didn't even know where Singapore, like the other kids didn't even know where Singapore was. <laughs> So um, yeah, they, I, I think um, I, I think it's great for them to have been born overseas because they will always have this sense that the world is bigger than Australia. So and there's options, yeah. So yeah, exactly. So in the last two years, you've stepped back into managing the business and what a time to do it. As you said, you know, 80% sort of revenue fell off the cliff overnight with, with COVID. It's been an incredible storm to ride for many. But, you know, there's been things that you've said that you've enjoyed through that process and, you know, you've obviously learned through that process. What What's that look like for you? Yeah, I, I've really enjoyed it. Um, you know, it, it's definitely been a time of highs and lows, but um, I think I think it's been really challenging and I think I've had to kind of really dig deep to, to have... Um, what is the word? It's it's not just courage, but also just uh, like tenacity or no. Um, the word will come to me. But <laughs> I suppose it's resilience, yeah. really. Like not to let 
things get to you and know that there's always a way. Um, but yeah, no, honestly, I've really, I've really enjoyed getting back into the business and I, I, I suppose I've really enjoyed the challenge and we've met in the last two years, we've had some amazing wins. So I think because we've had to, I think we were kind of cruising a little bit, like it was just a bit of a cash cow and everything was kind of easy. And so I've had to really work a lot harder, but we've, we've run promote, like our most successful ever campaigns have been run in the last two years. Wow. Yeah, we've we've ha- we've we've kept some massive goals, um, and we've just we've been launching new products, and we've got just new like another new product coming out in the next three months. So it's really been exciting and challenging. So I have really enjoyed it. Amazing, and it would be interesting, I guess, to be connected through the business to other regions during this time of COVID, because you know we've obviously got our own journey here in Australia where we're very much locked down and restricted but seeing how COVID is playing out in other regions and impacts how's that sort of appeared for you or yeah it's been really interesting actually because um because the core of my business is in Singapore I actually feel like I follow the Singapore journey probably more closely to Australia um uh, well it impacts you directly doesn't it you know. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it impacts me directly, and, and I suppose also because I'm living, I'm you know, I'm kind of 15 minutes out of Byron on a, on a on a little farm. So you know, the lockdowns don't really impact me that greatly in my day to day life um, in Australia. But in Singapore, you know, like the the rules around quarantine orders and the rules around um, the lockdowns just have such a big impact on my team, um, on their morale, on the, on the, the numbers in the business. So, so yeah, I'm definitely watching Singapore, if not more closely than as closely as Australia. And so from, uh, for example, right now, Singapore is 86% vax, but they've just gone into, um, a new round of lockdowns, which is really kind of disheartening for a lot of people in Singapore but it's also kind of you know it's a, a little bit um scary for us in Australia too because yeah you know if Singapore is at 86 percent vax and they're still being so precautious then you know what does potentially, that mean? Mm. yeah what does that mean but yeah and then also looking at how the governments um respond what kind of support they provide um interestingly enough you know the Singapore government isn't borrowing to support the and, and they've been very generous so um yeah it, it, it is really interesting it does make you think that there's more than one way yeah. and that you know you, you 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 should question what we're doing and what what initiatives our government's taking mm, absolutely i'm interested too like because you've got a team that's scattered not just in it's obviously not just in singapore but in other regions how how have you kept them together and focused and, you know, you touched on morale. I mean, that's a major issue for so many people in regional roles and businesses at the moment. Yeah. Um, well, thank God for Zoom, hey? Yeah, um, yeah. But, um, yeah, we make a pretty big effort. So we have two meetings every month that are all-hand meetings, um, which are really great. And one of them is to celebrate our successes. So it's what we call um, um, most valuable player meeting and everyone in the meeting um, before the meeting nominates anyone else in the company 
for for them living our, our, our cultural values. So that's a really beautiful meeting where we read out all the nominations and really thank everyone for being, you know, not not just great at their job but really being um, lovely humans to work with. And we do have a really gorgeous team of people. Um, and then we have another catch-up which is usually a quiz or a Pictionary or a dress-up or something where we just try and to socialise via Zoom and um, and that's a really nice thing to do as well. And I feel like now that we're in lockdown, it's actually enabled us to feel more collective with our international um, teams in Hong Kong and Bali because they're just as isolated as the, the Singapore team. So it's made us more focused on that cultural connection yeah. um, internationally. Amazing. I've got a couple of people who've said to me it's been a real levelling of the playing field. You know, it's yeah. not just head offices here. It's like everybody's, you know, everybody's scattered. So it doesn't matter where you are. Mm. What has um, having an international business done for your mindset when you consider starting up other businesses? Oh, um, good question. Uh, look, I suppose I think I think and look more internationally maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I definitely, I do kind of think of media as a global thing and and I suppose I think a lot of people in media think that too but maybe because my businesses are in different countries I spend more time looking abroad um I don't know (laughs) I think sometimes too I'm sure like you know when we start things we sometimes think of it as okay well if I do this here in Melbourne or in Australia or whatever it you know we can kind of that's big for us but sometimes when you've got an international mindset, it's like, well, it doesn't stop at the borders. It it transcends borders, you know. So I'm sure that there would be, whether that's um, consciously clocked or not, that like, where, how big can this be? There's no, there's no limit on scale. Mm. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. So how important, I guess, has it been having good teams like such as or functions such as HR and finance? Like that's all because that's all Singapore based, yeah. Yeah, that's all Singapore-based. Um, look, I think all the different pillars of the business are, are incredibly important and I, I feel very fortunate that I've, I've found some really great people who've been with me for over five years and and I, I think having that strong connection with them has given me a lot of comfort and, and I, you know, I, I also wonder, like, whether they feel very empowered because I'm not in the country too, yeah. you know, like I, yeah. they, they must feel. Like I, but, yes, so I do think having really great staff is paramount to being able to sleep at night and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shoulders come know, down I mean, from the ears. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and, look, you know, my finance manager, she is a signatory on all the bank accounts. Like there's so much trust there um, because there has to be. Uh but and you know, just yesterday, um, we realised we need to change the bank account details in Bali, um, but we can't do it unless we get there in person. So, you know, so you have to go to Bali, which yes. <laughs> on one hand is a great thing. It's just about being able to get there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that's challenging. I think um, Asia makes a lot of sense for people running businesses in Australia. How? How much has it helped having actually lived there or how vital do you think it is to have lived there to make that happen? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty vital to understand it. I mean, I, I don't really like to call it Asia because Asia is, yeah. is not a country. Yeah, and it's a region. It, it, you know, it's so nuanced as, a, as all the different regions. And, you know, I think the hardest thing I've found is that um, unlike Australia, 
where you can, you know, um, I suppose grow in New South Wales and the Queensland and Victoria, whatever your plan is. Um, when you want to grow a business in Asia, you have to start from the ground up for every new country. And, and so it's very nuanced and it's, it's very challenging. And, and so it's a lot harder than it looks, but definitely living in Asia helps. Um, but it, it's still a massively challenging market. Um, for those reasons. It doesn't eliminate the challenges. It might make them easier to navigate, but it doesn't eliminate them. Yeah. Exactly. So what advice would you give for business owners trying to manage businesses being run overseas? Um, well, I think, I think you, I mean, I think it's great if you can go and live in the market. And if you can't, I think you need to go and find great senior people who are in the market that you can really lean on. And, and I think you really have to lead from the middle. So I think you really need to trust your team and, and not lead from the front, but really um, make sure you're listening to the local markets. Do you think COVID has changed the way people will work in a way that will open up more opportunities to run for people to run businesses from Australia? Um, yes and no. Um, I, I mean, I think it's great that it's, that people are more accepting of people working from home. I think, you know, uh, it, it has changed the way we work um, in general. And I, and I do think people are really comfortable sitting on Zoom and talking to people from afar. But, you know, there's nothing that's going to beat um, local knowledge. And I, I do think once we all open up, people are going to be craving just to get FaceTime and to really make in real life connections. Mm. So I think it, it will um, springboard back to people wanting to, to catch up face-to-face and, and really um, build those um, in-person bonds. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you only have to see it when the restrictions get slightly eased here and we're allowed five people in the park and people are going nuts. They're craving <laughs> that face-to-face, you know, socially yeah. as well as professionally. Now, we like to finish uh, all of our podcasts with five quick questions, so I'd love to put those to you now. Living overseas opened my eyes to? Uh, I think the multitude of cultures and the traditions and the rituals of all the different cultures. Um, So, yeah. Beautiful. The number one skill I use today in my business is? Listening. Oh, nice, nice. The best thing I've discovered since arriving home is? Sunsets and the twilight hour. Oh, nice. You do not get on the equator. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure in Byron Bay they are next level. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I'd encourage a new repat or returning expat to do? Uh, be brave and put yourself out there. Yeah, great. And a word, song or quote that best describes my time overseas is? Work hard, play hard. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds fun. Sounds fun. And I do have one quick final question is, whatever happened to that house in Redfern? Did you renovate it or? (laughs) No, we didn't ever renovate it. We sold it, but um, I was very, we we were very fortunate that we held onto it for about, gosh, it was about 15 years. So it it, it served its purpose. Yes, it paid you back. (laughs) Sure did. Oh, thanks, Chris. I've really enjoyed our chat. Yeah, me too, Margot. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. Pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review, share it with your friends and family, and subscribe for future episodes. For more information on our guests, please head to our website, insyncnetworkgroup.com, 
where you can check out the show notes and also find more information about our fabulous community and membership offerings.